Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. It's time for another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast. It's not the first time Trip Tracy has been with us, but I'm excited to talk with Trip. Uh, We have spent a lot of time. He is now a uh, frequent first intermission guest with Alec Campbell between periods here on the radio. He is, of course, the radio and television analyst for your Carolina Hurricanes. But before we start, Trip, we got to get you on Twitter. (laughs) I was on it at one point in time. I've considered it uh, on different occasions. I just. I have to tell a quick little story. Sure. Um, there was, it was my mistake for checking my inbox uh, during a commercial break in Washington. And there was something that said, uh, pretty critical, but very funny. Right. That said, if, if there was a drinking game uh, <laughs> for every time the trip Tracy says, get the puck deep or have a good high forward that should be smashed by the middle of the second period. <laughs> and, so the problem was because that is certainly a staple of how you want to play. Right. Uh-huh. Half of that particular game, every time that I would talk about in hockey terms having a an F three or a high forward or you know, getting first man pressure, say like Jordan Stahl just did last night on that first goal to set the tone uh, against Vancouver, all of a sudden I'm trying to say something that's synonymous uh and come up with different words. Um, because of that Twitter comment, and uh, I was tongue-tied to say the very least. Yeah. I mean, Twitter is a is a tremendous information gathering tool. Uh, it is it is it's a great way to I think provide access um, with some of the things that you and I get to see on a daily basis, whether it be at home or or for me on the road that help Hurricanes fans to to get to know the team better, to get to uh, feel like they're closer to the players. Um, with that being said, there's a lot of negativity out there. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I don't. I don't have. I don't have Philo skin, but I, I can tell you, in my brief experience with Twitter, um, honestly said, it's a. It, it, you clearly can't please everybody, and that's cool. I have no problem with that at all. Um, but when all of a sudden, I'm trying to come up with different things to say. Uh, to avoid people getting bombed in the drinking game. Um, that's probably why I, why I put it on hiatus. But I'd, I'd always be willing uh, to, to give it another shot. Trip Tracy, all right, let's, let's, let's get to this team. By the way, I'm looking at the Metropolitan Division standings now. Seven points, 3-0-1, the Hurricanes in first place. We're going to take a picture. I took a picture of it the other day. Take another picture today uh, and maybe tomorrow as well. We're recording this on Wednesday after the Hurricanes win over Vancouver. Uh, 
I'm just going to leave this as open-ended as possible. What's different about this particular group than last year, the year before? Um, off the ice, or I guess I should talk about, the, first of all, the connection uh, with the new coach. Uh, Adam, these players, they absolutely know implicitly and unequivocally that Rod Brindamore has their best interests at heart completely. Uh, and because of that, they're willing to go through a wall for him. I, I mean, I know in the last many years, and there's some very successful coaches out there that are more structurally, no, more structurally sounds not the correct term, because I would match Brendan Moore's video capability, having turned it from a weakness into a strength right. from the end of his playing days to knowing that it was necessary as a coach. Um, that part of it, you know, he can go toe-to-toe with, with some of the coaches that uh, really strive to, to be video gurus. Uh, but when you have the playing credibility that Rod does, and more importantly, the personality that he does, uh, players can sense that a coach really just cares about their self-advancement and their success as a group. And when they feel that, they'll go through a wall for the coach. So that's the first thing that is truly different, in my opinion. Secondly, is this is a team that wants to attack. Uh, and, you know, Rod is... Uh, a guy that makes no bones about the fact that of all the coaches that he had in all of his years playing in the league and even coming up through um, hockey on, in route to the NHL, that Peter Laviolette was the most influential. And it wasn't just because they won a championship. It was because Rod, uh, you know, took from Peter that, uh, that A, you want to attack, but also that uh, Peter had this way of convincing a team uh, individuals and a group collectively that they were capable of doing more than any of them thought that they were. Uh, so I thought Rod set a tone at him right at the beginning of training camp, you know, right around the time first day when he, he named Justin Williams captain that, you know, let's not just, you know, look to achieve um, some steps here. Why wouldn't we, all 31 teams should strive to win the Stanley cup. Why wouldn't we? That type of tone um, is different. And then I look at the way that, uh, that the new owner, Tom Dundon, and, and, and Don Waddell, as general manager, went through the offseason mm-hmm. and really pointed out the necessary fact that this team needed to be harder to play against. This team needed to prioritize winning personalities. It starts with the, an underrated trade of, of Jordan Martin yeah. that you can check off both boxes with – with the types of things that he brings. And I can already tell, and I could tell on the plane to some of the preseason games, quality character glue guy. Uh, then you make a deal, obviously at the trade with Calgary. I think it's still an adjustment for, for Dougie Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That was the, he was the best player in the trade. So I just want to be patient with him, but Ferlin just played his best game as a hurricane yeah. last night. Um, the type of space he creates for whoever he's playing with, and yeah. specifically right now, the two fins. I mean, the, the goal at the end of the first period that Sebastian Ajo scored, Seba- uh, Tara Vinan makes a subtle play going to the front of the net to keep the play alive right. before Furlan gets to gets to a rebound and gets it to Ajo. I think that Michael Furlan makes a guy like Tavo Tara Vinan more courageous. Uh, he's another clear-cut character guy. Yeah. The road to the NHL has been hard for him been well documented some of the obstacles that he's valiantly overcome and 
He also can play fast, like Martin Nook. Here are big physical guys that could skate. Um, and then, of course, uh, the, the good fortune, Don Waddell should um, – you know, should make sure he makes the trip uh, with his hockey club to Vegas because <laughs> you, you move up and you get that lottery pick and there are going to be some, some moments, uh, especially on the defensive side of the puck, that are going to be lessons learned for Andrei Sveshnikov. But here's a guy all of a sudden that has two goals in his last two games, three points in his last three. And you look at a guy like uh, Elias Pedersen, who's off to just a terrific start for Vancouver. And I remember Skinner's rookie year, and he en- ended up, Jeff did, winning the Calder Trophy. Um, and, you know, whenever you play against guys that were drafted before him, whether it be Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan, Jeff elevated his play. Um, and it, that was a big part of, I thought, Jeff ended up winning the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. But that also brings up something that I think has changed. Then there was a culture that, for me at least, allowed Jeff Skinner, or it didn't allow him to grow as an all-around player. It ended up translating to digressing as an all-around player. And that is what I believe is different is that uh, the standard is going to be the same for everybody across the board. And I give all the credit right up to the top in ownership. Um, and that uh, Tom Dundon, you know, it, it, that type of accountability will be there because whatever Rob Brindamore decides, his general manager, uh, Don Waddell, will back him up. And if need me, Tom Dundon will back him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then <laughs> the most valuable leadership comes from the room. And because we're talking about all these young guys, Justin uh, Williams and Jordan Stahl have been simply terrific. They They're the right kind of guys you want to learn from. They're the right kind of unselfish guys. This celebration that has gone viral <laughs> that Justin came up with is, is no fluke because of the type of uh, human beings that you've got. And here I am talking about all these things that I like that I haven't even talked about a guy that represents the change that you want to see now and in the future uh, in Carolina, and that's Warren Fogel, a guy that plays the game the right way, a guy that's rewarded making a hockey team when he deserves to make it because he makes repeated statements um, in all sorts of different ways uh, with the unselfish nature that he plays the game, the correct way that he plays the game. He has side, he has speed, he gets to the interior of the ice, and it, everybody else has just followed suit uh, offensively when you look at uh, the fact that this team is now living inside the dots, Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the last couple of years, pucks have been inside the dots, but there have been no Hurricanes bodies inside the dots. And that's what you have to do to score goals in this league. Um, that's the single biggest difference for me on the ice is that this team is not a perimeter team. Uh, they are literally getting uh, on the forecheck and into the scoring areas in waves. Trip Tracy is joining us here on the Canes Corner Podcast. I know you can't see the notes that I have written down uh, for this conversation, but you're ticking them off one by one uh, because clearly there's a difference between how this team plays now and how they have played in the past. And this is not about uh, a a criticism of the former coaches, whether it was Bill Peters or uh, Kirk Muller before him. Uh, But it is the, the makeup of the roster and I'm not also here to criticize Ron Francis because it w- I would point out uh, that there are several Ron Francis draft picks uh, on this team, including Warren Fogle, who was, I think, a third-round pick a few years ago and has clearly uh, earned everything he has gotten. But uh, going into training camp, we, I think people liked Fogle, but they did not. he did not demand, oh, he's going to be on the team. He went to training camp and simply continued to do things that impressed Brenda Moore and impressed everybody around him and impressed the players in that locker room. 
And he sort of forced his way, not only under the team, but look at the the ice time he's getting and the responsibility of killing penalties and playing with the two studs of this team. And as great as Sebastian Ajo is, Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams are still the catalyst for what this team is doing. Vogel has put himself in a position where he's part of that, that trio now. That says volumes about everything about a culture change. You know, I just mentioned in my last answer with the, the, the you know really impressive Swedish rookie Pedersen coming in for Vancouver and how well Svechnikov played. Don't look now, but if Warren Fogel keeps this up, I mean he's he's Calder Trophy eligible. Sure. Um, and let's just quickly go through it. You're dead right about the chronology for Warren. First of all, Warren puts himself on the map, uh, having about as Good of a two-game stint, first two games of right. his NHL career. He scores goals in both games last year. Uh, and the one area that it looked like he needed to work uh, was with regards to his penalty killing. And I'll get to the fact that he's clearly done that in spades in a second. But I would put him in a conversation, a handful of players, handful of players uh, coming into the preseason that – would have been competing for a spot based on the role that you needed on your fourth line Mm -hmm. and what the identity of the fourth line was going to be. Typically on a fourth line, at least the way I think you draw it up in in a perfect world, is you have one guy that can be on a second unit of your power play, uh, and then you have two guys that can kill penalties. Um, Hypothetically right now, there really is no first or second unit of the power play, but your power play guy is Fetchnikov, uh, and then, say, Martinuk is killing penalties. you know, and then you know, see, and and Lucas Walmark, who's on that line, is he can kill penalties too. That line isn't playing like a fourth line no. right now, and they're not being used like a fourth line. But that's just an example. Fogel comes in, and right out of the gate in Tampa, the first preseason game, he has a great night. But he's one of those players that had to constantly do it over and over again. And when I say that, and I'll give you an extreme example, but when my my first training camp. Uh, having been a flyer draft pick and inside me, and then going to Hartford as a free agent. Right. And Hartford had just taken a guy in the first round named John Sebastian Jiguer. All right. So when you get a first round pick, okay, and Jiguer went on to have a great career. All right. Was a Conn Smythe trophy winner on a losing team in the Stanley Cup finals against New Jersey as a member of Anaheim. But a first round pick, let's just, let's just be blunt. A first round pick could have three or four tough games. And then he could dump the puck in well from center ice, and people upstairs might be saying, wow, that was a good dumping. <laughs> right. Versus a later-round pick, okay, it's not like Fogel was a late-round pick. I mean, you're, you're still talking about the you know, top couple of rounds of yeah. an NHL entry draft. But you have to do it over and over again because sometimes a mid-round pick could, you know, could, could have two or three games, and then all of a sudden he falls off, and, and people are going to say, you know what, he fell off not talk about all the great things he did. So that just makes what he's done that much more impressive, but it also speaks to Carolina's coaching and, and managerial, I think, change culturally that if you, if you show it you're gonna, and earn it, you're going to get the opportunity. And so through the course of the preseason, he quickly grabbed Rod's attention. And, and Rod, I could tell uh, within the first game or two max, he was ready to go to bat for Warren Fogle, but Warren Fogle was going to have to continue to help Rod's argument. And he's made a believer of, of every 
every one of the big decision makers in the Hurricanes organization. It's a credit to those decision makers having an open mind and, again, um, having it be performance-based, not say where you were drafted or where prospects were on the totem pole coming in based. Uh, and so, you know, there was a point in training camp and in the preseason, I remember Rod said to John Flores and I, he said, oh, oh, why couldn't he be a top nine guy? Yeah. He certainly played himself right into that, uh, that, that conversation. He has underrated skill. So all of a sudden he finds himself with Jordan and Justin. Uh, he loves being with them because they play the game the right way. You know what to expect mm-hmm. from two veterans like that. Rod has certainly pointed to the fact, I think with you, Adam, in one of your interviews that, you know, looking back to when he broke into the league with Adam Oates and Paul McClain and how much that helped him. Well, it, it's, it, it certainly has helped Warren, but Warren's helping those two guys along just fine, too, and is a big part of why uh, Stahl and Williams have enjoyed outstanding uh, starts. Uh, and the one other thing I look at is a guy like Fogan was talking about it on television last night, is that he has the maturity, he has the humility to – look at how he's going to approach his off season and say, what part of my game really needs to get better. And for Warren, when he looked and assessed, he said, it's my power skating. I mm-hmm. have to create some better edge work. And in particular, offensively, that's going to allow me to create separation with my size. And so I can say, take steps and people will take notice in that category. Well, Warren, you look perfect example was what he did with that tight turn on Adam McQuaid to create that separation and then get the puck to Jordan Stahl for a beautiful power or a beautiful second mm-hmm. period goal uh, against the Rangers. Yeah. Um, it, one other thing, you know, because I know Rod and I have talked and he's played with such pace, such cons- with such consistency. Because for Warren, every preseason game for him wasn't even just like a regular season game. It was like a playoff game because he's trying <laughs> to make the team. Right. So it's not like he's just he's just warming up, you know, before – before the race really starts. I mean, he's literally in playoff mode. And so Rod has mentioned to me, you know, four games and six nights that just concluded against Vancouver. Could Warren keep this pace? Or would there be a a, a noticeable fall-off? Because there was probably a little bit of a fall-off in Columbus. And he comes back with the two big games against the Rangers and the Canucks. And I asked him about it. And he said, I've learned in the last year in particular, how important sleep is. And so he even said that, you know, because I think he is, a, speaking of Twitter that we talked about earlier, he's a social media guy. Oh, yeah, folk and daddy. He said, I found, <laughs> yeah, I found him. I didn't know because I'm not on it because he came and he said to me in the locker room, I hear you're going to get the Taco Bell drive-thru with that, our Taco Bell take after the second period. I said, how do you know that? He said, I said, he said it's all over Twitter. And so, but he said to me, he said, Adam, he said, I have, you know, I have learned that I have to shut everything down. And he told me about some app that shuts everything down on his phone. And, and because of that, he got a really good night's sleep on Saturday night before the Ranger game. What does that tell you? That tells you about maturity. And that tells you, I think, too, about urgency in a young player. Um, because it's so easy to think when you get your first NHL opportunity as a prospect that there are going to be many more kicks in the can. And you can go in this league – from being a prospect to suspect very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be ready, prepared, uh, and, and just ready to carpe diem anytime that opportunity comes. And that's what he's done. Uh, and I think it represents, you know, so much 
in the way of progression for the Hurricanes as an organization because there were so many years where there were prospects that we'd look at. I just and they're good guys, and I don't I don't mean this in, you know to to point out certain players, but whether it be a Jason Bowman, whether it be a Zach Boychuk, whether it be a, a Zach Dolpy, right. um, you kept waiting for any number of these guys to make your decision so hard in the preseason. And none of them ever really did it. The Hurricanes had a bunch of guys that did it in this preseason and now in the early stages of the season. And Warren Fogel is the poster child for that. I think the sky could be the limit. You and I have spoken, you know, I think it's appropriate now. I'm not, of course, thinking he's going to be Eric Cole, but a big yeah. uh, power forward lefty uh, that can move like Eric did. Uh, Eric uh, certainly surprised, I think, a lot of people coming out of Clarkson and made the Hurricanes roster and made such an impact and eventually played on the BBC line with Brenda Moore and Battaglia ahead of schedule. Yeah. So at this point, I think it's, it's, it's relevant and it's appropriate at least to say that you can see some similarities in those two players. Yeah, I think it's as, it's as much demeanor with Warren Fogle's style of play as it is anything else. Look, if he's if he's the pro that Eric Cole was over the course of his career, uh, we will be thrilled here in Carolina. Trip Tracy is joining us. Uh, there's tons of things I want to get to. We'll uh, we'll leave most of them for uh, our next visit, but I want to get to goaltending in our closing moments here. Um, And suddenly, uh, the Hurricanes now have a third name in the mix. Curtis McElhinney's played twice. Uh, In my opinion, over those two games, he has looked, uh, to whatever degree, better than Peter Morazic, who was brought here on a free agent contract. McElhinney was picked up off of waivers from Toronto. Scott Darling is probably a week away from coming back. I don't know. Maybe he'll show up somewhere on this three games in four nights road trip from Minnesota to Winnipeg to Tampa. Who knows? Uh, but how do you think this shakes out? Carolina has a roster spot open if they want to keep all three goaltenders but how does this shake out, in your opinion? It's like a, well, at least when I was growing up, I love those books, Choose Your Own Adventure. Right. <laughs> and it's a good adventure for Carolina to have because it's to be determined and it's a quality problem to have. Uh, and I thought about this actually when I came home last night after the game um, because I think it's important, and I'm just I'm speaking to myself here, uh, to remind myself when Scott gets healthy, uh, the game, his game in Nashville uh, was as impressive yeah. of a performance as, I, as I've seen from any of the, the, the three Hurricanes goaltenders in the preseason and the regular season so far. McElhaney's in Columbus would be right there with it. But against a team that won the President's Trophy, I know it was a preseason game, but Scott was really good. He looked like the goaltender that people thought could adjust from being a backup to a number one. Um, so I, I reminded my Adam, I, I love that you're asking me this because I reminded myself of this last night. McElhaney, I have identified McElhaney in my own head for the last couple of years as, as a guy that is your perfect backup um, and a backup that can maybe carry the ball for a short period of time. Truly a pro. 
I was listening on the radio, the aftermath coming home from the game last night. And when he says that, you know, that the way that he spoke about Darling and mm-hmm. Morozik before then, he just said he's a guy that is trying to uh, fit in. And, and some guys say it because they know it's the right thing to say. With Curtis McElhaney, he means it. It's genuine. Uh, he just wants to do whatever he can, and then whatever is going to happen is going to happen. That's why he is such a well-thought-of pro where nobody anywhere has anything negative. And in contrast, only really they go out of their way to say positive things about him. I like, his, I like him a lot as a goalie. I didn't think he was quite as sharp last night, you know, when I look at rebounds mm-hmm. and things like that, as he was in Columbus where he was super. Um, Morozik is – I don't see Morozik as being a guy that's, that's a starter. I, I see him as a, a guy that, uh, that can be, a, you know, a good backup. Uh, again, can carry it for short periods of time. I still look at it, and Scott's got to show me. Right. But I, I look at the three guys, and I think Darling has the highest upside, which I have – that's why I, I, I'm glad I, you bring this up. Because I, I, I almost had an inner dialogue last night to remind myself of the fact that I th- that Darling does have the highest upside, in my opinion. When I look, if you were to look back at his tape of the game in Nashville, just the way he, he went about his business, the caliber of the saves, the style points, uh, the way he handled the pucks that night. So you want to you want to be able to enjoy that upside here in Carolina if it's possible. I think that quite possibly could and should require. Absolutely a conditioning stint in Charlotte right. um, when you have these two guys here right now. Um, you put either anybody on waivers, chances are they're going to get plucked right up. Um, you know, certainly you throw McElhaney back on waivers. I mean, the, the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm sure, looking for depth in the American Hockey League. Uh, why not wait? Uh, but then again, I don't want to play general manager here. Um, I remind myself that I still do believe that uh, Darling has the highest upside. Um, McElhaney is the true pro, uh, and, and I don't mean to slight Peter Morozik because uh, he was very good in the preseason. Yeah. I thought he was very timely against the Islanders. That's one of the toughest games to play when Grice is standing on his head at the other end. Mm-hmm. So how do we? If, I'm, if I haven't really answered the question for you other than to say I do think we ha- the, you have to be patient with Darling getting back to good health, hopefully playing some games to shake off the rust in the American Hockey League because you don't want to have him shaking off rust in the NHL when points are so invaluable. Um, I, it really is a choose-your-own-adventure and a quality one that you wait and see which one of these three guys or which two of these three guys uh, really distinguish themselves. And then you make a decision when you have to make a decision. If you can carry three, it's not uh, the most convenient thing to do because guys – need their time and they need their own net and practices and whatnot. But um, it's, it's a, it's an advantage that, that you have based on uh, your roster availability, assuming the roster uh, does not change uh, with regards to, to skaters other than goaltenders in the next little bit. Um, but I would, I would try to be as patient as possible to make the best caliber decision. I just, I, I would constantly remind myself of Darling's upside. If Darling comes back and he does not, validate that upside you know then you you like i said the choose your own adventure you go a different way it's a quality problem to have when the hurricanes have been looking for goaltending forever that you have you know three guys that have all had good moments um that you try to figure out what to do moving forward trip tracy 
analyst, Hurricanes television and radio, and a frequent first period guest with Alec Campbell uh, in intermissions here on 99.9 The Fan. And I thank you very much for stopping by on the Canes Corner podcast. I'll see you up on the fifth floor very soon, and I'll see you at practice. Uh, it's always cool to catch up, and I thank you so much for the time. Adam, I just for a quick quick second, I just sure. like to thank you and uh, you and Alec, um, John Rockwell, our radio producer, because uh, it's it's a it's a it's a exciting challenge, and to have have built the type of chemistry that that John Forsman and I have. I know John's worked with you guys for many many years now, and Adam, you and I have been friends for yeah. gosh, going on two decades. But <laughs> for for to have the type of team chemistry that at least I feel that we've got mm-hmm. on the radio portion of our simulcast, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so building that chemistry, you know, working with you and Alec on a regular basis, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here. It's just a fact. It's, it's, been, it's really been enjoyable. Well, look, you're, uh, you're an enormous part of that. I've, we've spoken before. Um, I have incredible respect for how hard you work at your at your job and how good you are at it. So uh, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll uh, we'll fawn over each other at practice very soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Adam. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan.